welcome back to another episode of Mom Talk. And today, we're going to let Victoria have the floor. She has been diagnosed with yes. pulmonary, pulmonary hypertension. hypertension. Okay, I got it right. Yes. And that's probably all I can get right. No. So, we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to have all the same questions as the listeners. So, you go, and I'm going to ask while you're talking. Okay, yes. So, I knew nothing about pulmonary hypertension two and a half weeks ago, and I preferred it that way, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so, you know, a little backstory if you didn't know, I had something called supraventricular tachycardia um, like 10 years ago, SVT for short. It is a heart condition, an arrhythmia, where your heart just races really fast, and I had three little procedures for that. They're called ablations, burned the accessory pathway in my heart, thought I was good to go, um, and I was good to go after having that done three times. So no complications No complications. then. Correct. Okay. Um, fast forward to this year, I started having chest pain, and I actually went to the ER twice for it. And the first time I went to the ER, they, you know, did an EKG and some blood work and stuff. And they ruled out a heart attack. They ruled out SVT because I don't want to say they were dismissive. I do not feel like they were dismissive when I went that time. Um, But I think they were looking for SVT since I had a history of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is different. You knew it wasn't that. I knew it was not that. Okay. So I feel like once they cleared me from a heart attack and SVT, they were like, okay, follow up with your primary care. How did you feel leaving that day? They gave me muscle relaxers because they thought maybe I had pulled something in my neck. Okay. And it was just like a nerve-causing chest pain. And did you go with that for that day? I did go with that for that day. For that day. day. I felt better that it wasn't a heart attack because I was like, man, I have chest pain. This is not acid reflux. This is not heartburn. This is chest pain. Okay. Um, But that was my only symptom. Mm -hmm. It didn't get better or worse with movement, nothing like that. Then, you know, I went on vacation like a week later. I felt pretty good. Um, and then July. So the first time I went to the ER was in April, and it was just chest pain. The chest pain kind of subsided in June, but came back with a vengeance in July. The only difference was in July, now I was having heart palpitations, which I was fairly familiar with from SVT. And the pain was worse. It was more constant. And all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe. Like you couldn't catch your breath? I could not catch my breath. Like going upstairs at my house, I couldn't breathe. Like so a, a typical... A normal day for me changed drastically all of the sudden. Okay. And I did not know why. So I went back to the ER. When I went to the ER in July, the shortness of breath wasn't prevalent enough for me to mention it. It had just started happening when I went in July. And so I was like, hey, I'm having these chest pains. I'm having palpitations. Again, I feel like their primary concern was obviously a heart attack, as it should be, but SVT again, because I said palpitations. Hmm. That time, I do feel like they were a little more dismissive. I'd already been there once before. Um, They were like, yeah, you're having some PVCs, but nothing to be alarmed about. What's PVC? Premature ventricle contractions. So normally, you can a normal person with nothing wrong can have some PVCs every once in a while. Like, would I feel it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think you would. You might not. But it's pretty typical. It's pretty typical. It's not okay. going to be alarmed about. Like, if you're dehydrated or okay. I don't know. You can have them for a number of reasons and they're harmless. This felt harmful. <laughs> this did not feel harmless. And pretty much anxiety. 
Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was your pain? My pain was a 4. Okay. It was not excruciating. But it was It was my chest, though. What's your, what, describe that. Like the chest pain? It was just like, left side, I could pinpoint it for you. Okay. I could point and tell you exactly where it was, and it was constant. Like, the frequency had changed, it was Mm -hmm. more of a constant pain, it was not going away. Before it would kind of come and go... Um, then fast forward to August, I now cannot breathe to walk from my car to my front door. I cannot breathe to go up more than like five stairs. I can't do laundry without getting winded. Like very normal things that I used to do like a hundred times a day and think nothing of it. I couldn't breathe through them anymore. Right. And like one night, Jarrett was on shift. It was so scary. I left my phone in the room and I went upstairs to take the kids tablets at the 30 minute mark. And I got to the top of the stairs and I could not breathe at all. I had to lay down at the top of my stairs. My phone was downstairs. I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to find me passed out. I mean, that's literally the most terrifying is something happening when you're watching your kids. Right. Like my jaw was hurting. I was like, is this a heart attack? My chest hurt. I couldn't breathe. I was super lightheaded, dizzy, had to lay down. I was like, something is wrong, wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Went back to my primary care explain this again he had me evaluated for scoliosis okay and said that is what was causing my chest pain he did do a chest x-ray just to make sure my lungs looked okay and they did okay he ordered a 24-hour heart monitor which i wore and the results came back normal that's interesting it is interesting and i had an appointment with the cardiologist who i'd seen 10 years Previously, for my SVT, I had an appointment with him coming up, and he had been, you know, in the loop on all the results from the Holter monitor, my thyroid, all my iron, my blood work, whatever. And so I was going to go see him, but then the weekend after my anniversary, my anniversary was on a Friday, the following Sunday, like, I didn't do anything for my anniversary. I did not feel well. I, and I thought I was going crazy, really. Like, I thought I had lost my mind because I'm like, this is just anxiety that has gotten out of hand. Like, I'm fine. Nothing is wrong with me. I need to be medicated, I guess. Like, I thought I was losing my mind. Because they told you everything was fine? Because everything was checking out just normal. Okay. And why would I not trust that? Right. Sunday, I woke up sick. I was like, like in the middle of the night. I guess it was technically Monday morning. 3 a.m., I am sick. I'm throwing up. I'm like, what is going on with me? And I can't breathe, and I'm throwing up, and my heart's racing. And so I called my mom, and I was like, I need you to take me to the hospital. And I called my mom, for one, because I wanted Jarrett to be here with the kids, get them to school, and give them some normalcy. Because mm-hmm. I knew it would be abnormal for me to just, like, not be here in the morning. Right. Because I'm the only one that's ever here in the morning. Yeah, so you at least wanted the other parent here. I at least wanted the other parent here. And I feel like Jarrett's great, but he doesn't have, like, much experience going to, like, doctors. Because nothing's ever really been wrong with him, thank <laughs> yeah. goodness. But mm-hmm. um, wanted my mom there to kind of advocate for me, too. She knew more of my history. I needed somebody to, like, push back when the doctor said this is scoliosis or anxiety or a... Uh, a pinched nerve Mm -hmm. and so she was like I will take you but we're going to Nashville okay so we went to Nashville and you know what I've always had great experiences here in town same I really have I I do want to say that in this story and none of my experiences were bad and I don't feel like they're necessarily wrong for it everyone was nice 
Um, the second time I went, the PA I saw, I do think she was a little dismissive. But, I mean, given the history, I get it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't feel like here in town did anything wrong. I just think it was time to go to Nashville. It was just the timing. Yeah. It was the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, fine, take me. So we got there about 7 in the morning. They did like a history intake, EKG. And also the two EKGs that were done here were both normal. Okay. So they did the EKG and they were immediately like, oh, there's some right access deviation, I think is what they called it. Okay. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but I know it's not normal. Right. You're seeing something. So I was like, okay, good, was my first reaction. I was like, thank goodness the something. EKG caught it. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And so they did a history. They're like, hey, we might want cardiology to come down and talk to you. I was like, okay, send them. They send cardiology a nurse down. Her name was Alicia. She was like a literal angel, Mm -hmm. Um, just the nicest. And she took my history, listened to my symptoms, looked at my EKG, poked around on me, listened to me. And she's like, yeah, I think think the doctor's going to want to come down and talk to you. And I was just like, okay, cool. Now, in my mind... This was going to be all related back to when I had the ablations for SVT. So you thought that? I thought, because one of the bigger, there were a couple of things that are bigger risks with the ablations, especially repeated ablations. Like I had the three done in like 18 months or something like super quick. Mm -hmm. They were back to back. Okay. And the risks go up every time. So in my mind, I needed a pacemaker. Because that was one of the biggest risk factors. So you needed what was ever next after those, what you thought. That is what I thought. And I'm like, oh, she she figured it out. I need a pacemaker. Okay, great. Um, And then the cardiologist came down. He, again, just the nicest doctor. And Dr. Honeycutt listened to me, talked to me. He was like, okay, okay. He's like, a few things we're going to look for. We're going to order a chest CT. We're going to do an echocardiogram. We're going to do these things and just kind of rule out some options. And I was like, cool. And I remember him, the first time he came in the room, he was like, have you had any swelling? I was like, no. He's like, legs, feet, abdomen. I was like, no. And he like pulled the sheet back. He's like, nope, you're right. Mm -hmm. That's your bone. And all these tests got done. I say all these tests. We got the chest CT, a bunch of blood work. And I think the echocardiogram. And so then he came in the room and he was like, hey, the echocardiogram does show um, some mild enlargement on your right side. Your right ventricle and the right side of your heart is a little enlarged. He's like, so, and I did not want to spend the night in the hospital. No, you want to get home to your babies. I want my kids. Mm-hmm. And I barely spend 24 hours away from them ever, like yeah. even for a date night. So the thought of an unplanned event like freaked me out. So he said, I think we should keep you overnight. I want to do more tests tomorrow. I think that'd be the best course of action here. We need to figure out why there's a strain on the right side of your heart. And I was like, hesitantly agreed. Okay. I did not, I was not like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if you think that's what's best. And at that point too, it was almost 7 p.m. So I was just like, you know what, I've already, I'm not going to be home to tuck the kids in. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter now. Yeah. So I stayed. And the next day, I don't even, oh, a cardiac MRI. That's what I had done. Oh, right. In the tube. In the tube. I am claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. I'd had one done before for SVT. It was not fun. Um, They did give me a Xanax before it this time, though, so that helped a little. 
the people were so nice. Um, they let me have a break at like the 25 minute mark. So when they put me back in, they're like, you're over halfway done. Because it's a 45 minute in the tube. Wow. That's a long time. And like the whole time it's like, breathe in. Exhale halfway. Hold it. And like all these different <laughs> breathing directions. I don't know. I didn't like being in there that long, but they were so nice. Got back to the room. Dr. Honeycutt did come in and talk to me. And he was like, yeah, right side's definitely struggling. Um, we need to do something called a right heart cath. Okay. And I was like, okay. He's like, they're going to go in through your arm wiggle a wire into your heart, and check your pressures. Of course. And I was like, well, this sounds pleasant. Yes, I've seen it on Grey's Anatomy or something. I know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I was like, will I be put under for that? And he was like, not under, but you'll be out of it. You'll be aware, but loopy. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Because with the SVT, those ablations, you're something called twilighted. Okay. So you're like in and out, not super aware, but aware enough. If you like had to hold your breath, you could. Okay. So that's what you were going to be? He never used the word twilighted. He said loopy. Okay. So they moved me down there. I was getting prepped for the cath in like this just regular room. I asked the nurse. I was like, okay, now they're going to like make me loopy, right? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Because Xanax was on my orders for this hospital stay. So I was Mm -hmm. obviously very anxious, didn't like being away from my kids, wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. And so... I've been spacing them out because I had felt pretty like okay mentally that day. And so I didn't take one before I went down because I knew I would be getting put under-ish. Right. So why would I waste? Didn't need it. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to be like loopy, right? She's like, yeah, absolutely. She's like, it's going to feel like you had four margaritas all at once. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. I can do this. Mm -hmm. So then I get in there. And I've been awake for surgeries before. Like two C-sections fully Mm -hmm. awake. I get in there. This is a very C-section-ish looking room. It's very bright, very white. This giant TV screen like nothing I've ever seen before. They had me move off of my little gurney bed cot thing onto the operating table just like for a C-section. Okay. They strapped my arms down. Um, They prepped my arm and my groin just in case they weren't able to get in my arm. And I, they're doing all this. I'm like, at some point, somebody's going to put something in this IV. Yeah, I'm going to go to sleep. Because I'm getting really anxious right now. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And they kept doing more and more stuff. And they're like, okay, you're going to feel a big poke in your arm. This is the lidocaine. We have to numb your arm for the insertion site. And I was like, okay. And so I felt one poke. I felt a couple other like little pokes. They numbed my arm up really good. So I didn't feel, you know, my elbow, the inside of your elbow. And then the nurse checked my blood pressure like once, twice, three times. I don't know how many times she ended up taking it, but she took my blood pressure a lot. And then she was like, hey, your blood pressure is too low. We are not going to be able to give you anything. No. (laughs) I'm leaving. And I was like, what? And she's like, no, I'm so sorry. And I just started crying, not like dramatically, just like tears, like just falling out of my face. And they started the procedure. I mean, there was no time to waste. They started the procedure. Wow. And I'm looking... Before you can even wrap your mind around that. Yeah. They're, like, already wiggling it in my arm. And you could feel it? I could feel it in my arm, yeah. Um, My arm itself was numb. It wasn't painful, but I could feel it. Like, you right. know, like with a C-section. Yeah. Um, Your heart has no nerve endings, is so... what they told me. So, once it was in my heart, you don't feel it in your heart. But could you feel it up your shoulder? I could feel it up, yeah. Across your chest? Yeah. The whole everything, yeah. Everything between like the inside of my right elbow and the left side of my chest, yes. That's I could, a lot. Yeah. 
I could feel them twisting and turning. And, you know, I've had surgeries where I'm awake. And people are talking about their kids' hockey games and, like, their weekend plans. And that's how this room was. So that was nice. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. So they were talking about good stuff and then they, they were stopped? Ta- yes. Okay. <laughs> they were having normal conversations. Suspicious. Suspicious. And I was like, well, that's not good. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be awake for many surgeries to know that when it goes silent. And then people started spouting out numbers. And I don't know what these numbers mean. Okay, we don't know. And so they're just calling out different numbers. And I'm like, okay, like, y'all definitely aren't talking about your weekend anymore. Mm-mm. And so I'm still, like, just silently crying. The nurse was so sweet. She's, like, wiping my tears. I was like, can you please just give me anything? She's like, I really wish I could. I can't. I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, you know, you can do this. Like, she's my motivational speaker at this yes. point. Yes. Thank goodness for her. But she also was realistic with me. She's like, it's going to get worse before this gets better. She said, we have to give you something to intentionally drop your blood pressure. Oh, gosh. And, you know, that's the whole reason I couldn't have anything is because my blood pressure was already so low. And they have to tank it even more. And they have to tank it on purpose. She was like, I'm right here. She's like, if you pass out, I was like, at least I won't be awake. (laughs) I know, honestly. Like, go ahead and drop it, I guess. We'll see what happens. Yes. So they gave it to me, and I started feeling worse and worse. Like sick or like on the verge of passing out? All of it. Okay. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to pass out or throw up first and which order this is about to happen, but Mm y'all. And so then the nurse is hitting the blood pressure cuff like – Every time it would take it, she'd hit it again. And, like, every time it'd release, she'd fire it back up. And so just constantly, like, the blood pressure cuff was going. And she kept calling out the reading on it. And the doctor was like, okay, okay. Like, every time she'd call out the number. And then one time she called out my blood pressure, and he's like, pull the line out. And she, like, you know, I thought they were going to, like, stop the drip of whatever they were giving me. No, she pulled the line out. Of your arm. Of my IV. Like, she had oh. been, like, ready. Oh. She was ready. It was out in, like, no time flat. Oh. She's like, you're going to feel better in just a second. I was like, well, I'm still probably going to have my nerves completely shot, but okay. I mean, not that you're not the one going through this, but sorry for her too. No, I was. (laughs) I asked her at one point when they started dropping out of blood pressure, I was like, ooh, am I going to throw up? She was like, ooh, I hope not. (laughs) I was like, ooh, me too. (gasps) So yeah, that was something. And then I came out and like the doctor told me in the room, like, you have pulmonary hypertension. I was like, cool. So just we, that fast, he was like... Like, immediately you knew it. Okay. So, I guess, um, I now know a pressure 20 and below is normal. And mine was 36. So, they go off a mean pressure. Okay. Um, and that was my mean. This is, like, from your lungs to your heart? So, this is the pressure in my pulmonary artery in my heart. Okay. My doctor actually wasn't the one to perform the cath, but he... I mean, I can't say enough good things about that man. And his nurse. I looked over when I was like freaking out and in the middle of this. And Dr. Honeycutt and his nurse Alicia were like in the observation area, like watching me. How and I was sweet. like, ugh. Like, they y'all. Are so good. I know. I'm like, y'all could really be a million other places right now and you're right here watching this. Because they're so great. Just the literal best. How did you feel after that procedure? Because that sounds like a torture chamber, like yeah. mentally. Yeah. So I, and I didn't know this was a rare condition. I didn't know anything about this condition. I get back in my room. My mom already knows because Dr. Honeycutt, Alicia came in there and was like, what's your mom's phone number? Okay. And called my mom. 
before I even like got back to the little room I had been in to see her. So I get in there. My mom's like, they figured it out. Like, we know what's wrong with you. Like, great. I was like, mom, I was awake. <laughs> You're like, we can't talk about I was like, I don't even else. care. I, I was awake. She's like, well, yeah, they said you'd just be loopy. I was like, they couldn't give me anything. <laughs> I was just like in disbelief of what had just happened. Uh, I mean, it's wild to hear you tell it to me. I mean, I would have definitely taken a Xanax before had I known. Yeah. Because apparently that doesn't mess with your blood pressure. Okay, well. So now I was like, Mom, I had to do that awake. And she's like, what? They didn't give you stuff to make you loopy? I was like, my blood pressure, I couldn't have it. She's like, oh my gosh. So we are dealing with having to do that awake. Yeah, so that wasn't a good time. So get back up to my room and I googled this thing that I'd never heard of and that was incredibly scary because it goes on to tell you on Google that the uh, average survival is 2.8 to 7 years. Okay, I haven't told you this yet, but I also googled it that day. Okay. I was just a mess. I just yeah. was a panic. I couldn't even text you back anymore. I know. Because what was there for me to say to you? Yeah, literally after, like max 7 years. I should not have Googled that. You should not have Googled that. Nobody should have Googled it. But when you told me what you had and I had never heard of it, what else am I supposed to do but Google? Exactly. What is this? So I know what I'm dealing with. And then immediately I'm like blacked out. Because I'm a goner. <laughs> um, yeah. And you're my best friend. So that's yeah. not an option. No. And, but like I couldn't text you to reassure me. No, not and, at that point. And you are my reassurance. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, I'll just I'll just sit on that. I'll just be over here. Yeah. Having my moment. Yeah. But you let me know pretty quick that that was so, yeah. not the case. I literally asked every nurse and doctor that walked into my room if that was true. And every single one was like, what? No. And the cardiologist and pulmonologist I saw were both like, no. Google is so outdated in this field. The first medication to treat this condition was just discovered 25 years ago. So this is And new. now we're up to 15 medicines that we can try oh great so, so options yeah it's really evolved um they're like the data the data is just so outdated because the medications haven't been around long enough to get accurate data with treatment okay now untreated sure yeah listen to that Right. Back when we didn't have treatment options, it, it didn't look so good. And, you know, the earlier in life you're diagnosed, the better. You caught it early. I caught it very early. So most people, I've joined some, like, support groups for this condition now. I love that. I do love that, too. Because there's literally people around here who are like, yeah, I've had this for 22 years. I'm like, 22 years? You got told bad news. <laughs> yes, they did. And, you know, that's the thing with my cardiologist and pulmonologist, too. I was like, are they just, like, blowing smoke? Should I be more worried? But then... My cardiologist was like, an unfortunate aspect of my field is I do have to give hard timelines. Mm -hmm. And I'm not having to do that with you. Right. So that was reassuring. Like, you're right. That is part of your job. And, and when people do it. have those timelines, you do have to tell them. And I wasn't being told that. Right. So that was comforting, but still it's a lot. It's overwhelming. I wish I had never Googled, but I did. But, you know, the doctors pointed out most people with this condition have had it undiagnosed for years before they're diagnosed and how's um, how's that possible because just like with you mm -hmm. it's like oh nothing showed up oh you nothing know, showed up yeah so some everybody in the support group pretty much has their own story but generally speaking they are misdiagnosed they are told oh you're a little anemic take some iron oh you're anxious okay oh you know you're getting older things just feel different when you get older Okay. They're being told and pretty much medically gaslit. Mm. Like, yeah, this is what it's like to be 30. Right. And you're like, are you sure? <laughs> so this is amazing news that you yeah. 
I caught, caught it, it so, so early. early. I mean, I'm so fortunate because there are literally people in the support group who are like, it took me 10, 13 years to get diagnosed. I'm like, wow. what? Wow. And I mean, back to if you just go based off the Google survival rate, that yeah. wouldn't even be a thing. Right. So, And then a lot of people refer you to the Pulmonary Hypertension Association dot org or website or whatever for legitimate accurate current information on this okay and there's a lot of new and exciting stuff going on about it but i didn't realize how rare it was and that's why people aren't diagnosed as soon as they should be either is because doctors it's not on their radar necessarily it is a very rare thing so they're not really looking for this thing no okay so um in the u.s between 500 and 1,000 cases a year that's nothing that's nothing I mean, it just takes a long time. Like, if I had continued on the route and not gone to the ER that day and not had the doctors and nurses I had and not been taken seriously that time, I would still be in the same boat. And that's what happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, the route I was on before, I had done the Holter monitor. I'd been diagnosed with mild scoliosis. I, you know, had an appointment with my cardiologist and he would order some more tests. Like, it just takes so long. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that the doctors and nurses I had that day knew about the condition, were aware of the symptoms, and were like, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Really, I'm just thankful for all of it. Like, even my EKG. An EKG is, I don't know how many seconds, but I know it's like three to five seconds of a glimpse of your heart. Mm-hmm. So if that three to five second glimpse didn't show anything, they would have said, okay, bye. Right. So it just happened to get something at the right time. Caught it at the right time. So the cardiologist feels confident that the enlargement can and will return to normal because of how early we caught it. Most people catch this once they're in congestive heart failure, which has a bad name. It's not as, it's bad, it's serious, but it does not mean you're dying tomorrow. Okay. Um, Like my great grandmother had it for over 30 years. Okay. Um, My grandma had it for, I don't know, 15. Like it's very manageable these days. For a lot of people, that's not the case for everyone, of course, but, and that's how this is often found out. Once it's progressed into something worse. Once it turns into congestive heart failure, some cardiologists just stop there and they say, well, all your symptoms can be attributed to congestive heart failure. Take these meds. Okay. But the underlying cause of it is this. Some people think it's more prevalent than we actually know about. It's just not investigated that thoroughly. Okay. I have, I spent two nights in the hospital for that. I did some pulmonary function tests. My lungs are good, all normal on that. All of, Everything about my heart was normal aside from the slight enlargement. So no congestive heart failure, nothing structurally wrong. My heart is fine. My lungs are fine. This is a blood pressure problem in, the, in your lungs. Okay, so they are treating that. Yes. So it's not to get confused with hypertension, high blood pressure. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's not. My regular blood pressure, like I said, it's obviously too low for me to even receive certain things. Mm-hmm. So... It's not high blood pressure. And it gets confused for that when you tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so they have started me on a new medicine. I am supposed to be starting another one any day now. How do you feel on this new medicine? I can already walk up my driveway, which my driveway is a hill. I can usually walk upstairs without being, you know, gasping for air. Okay. Also, through all of this, my oxygen saturation, like my little O2 pulse ox thingy on your finger, it has been consistently 97 to 99 the entire time. Okay, so that's Some people are on oxygen for this. Some people are on lung transplant lists. Some are on double heart and lung transplant lists for this condition. Wow. You know, finding it early 
and treating it before it has time to really progress is huge in this and I'm optimistic that we've caught it so early that I can like a lot of the people in the support group have a normal life right a lot of these people are still getting up going to work doing their thing okay that's what I was going to ask you what about after coming back home I know your kids are small Mm mm-hmm could they tell any difference? Are you limiting yourself? What so, do they know? Yeah. So I haven't explained it to them. Um, you know, when I was in the hospital chair, it was like, yeah, mommy's sick. She's going to stay at the hospital and get better. Mm-hmm. And so as far as they know, I'm better. Okay. And when they get older, I'll be like, yeah, mommy has this. And can you pick them up right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm back to picking them up. At first I didn't because my arms were so sore, like from the calf and my IV had like really bruised up my arm, but I'm back to picking him up. Um, I don't pick up Mason that much anymore because he's four. Four. But um, everything's back to normal as far as my care for them goes. I don't like to be alone at night still. Okay. Just because if there was an emergency in the middle of the night, I don't feel competent to, like if the house is on fire, get them both out. Okay, I see. And, you know, I just love to worst case scenario, so obviously that would happen. That's going to happen. On a shift night. Yes. Um, so my mom's been staying on shift nights. Okay. Nothing. I mean, my house has not caught on fire. <laughs> my kids haven't even needed anything, but I just feel better. It's a peace of mind for me. Oh yeah. Having that reassurance here. Yeah. So yeah, the kids don't really notice anything okay. different. Um, the medicine has started helping, which they said give it four to eight weeks before you would even start to notice improvements. So I've talked to my nurse from the cardiologist's office a few times, and she used to work in a specialty clinic for pulmonary hypertension. And she's like, oh, the fact that you have felt any improvement is huge because typically you wouldn't start to feel improvement until the four to eight week mark would That's be amazing. the start. So again, super fortunate that it's you know, two, I haven't even been on the medicine two weeks yet. Oh, wow. And they're adding another one just because they like to treat it, you know, pretty hard and heavy in the beginning. What will that one do? I don't really know what that one does. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I do know that it's called Up Summit and it is specifically for this condition. And to take this, I have to have a negative pregnancy test every month or they will not prescribe it. Okay. That's serious. So, in the hospital, the diagnosis itself and Googling was hard, but they also were like, um, you're done having kids. Well, that's a lot to take in in one... In one swoop. Because you... That was not off the table for you. No. I was undecided on a third child, and actually, I say undecided. I feel like I wanted more. I just wasn't ready yet. I would agree with that. Um, I felt like in my life, I'd probably have more. But not mm-hmm. at this point in time. Yeah. But that was now off the table. I mean, it is off the table now. And that's hard when that gets taken away and you don't choose it. Yeah. That is hard. Um, especially since, you know, if I had decided I was firmly done with two. Then that's your choice. Then that's my choice. And I wasn't there. And I thought I wanted more. Right. Originally, I wanted four kids. Yeah. And now I'm capped at two. So we still are processing that. I'm still processing that. I mean, some days I'm like, okay, let's get everything out of the attic. Like, I'm selling my baby stuff. Yeah. And then some days, like, Remy's potty training, and I'm like, we're almost done with pull-ups and diapers forever. Right. Like, this is my last baby to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard. So, I mean, I'm back and forth. It's a roller coaster right now, but I think that's to be expected. Just like with any illness. I mean, and you know, as bad and as scary as this can sound... 
there are people going through way worse every day. And I mean, not to take away from that, this doesn't suck. This can suck and people can still have it worse. Right. Like, and this is just such fresh news to you. It's very fresh. I mean, I have known for less than two weeks still. Yeah. Just letting it all sink in. You know, my biggest thing with having a third baby was I wanted to be healthy for the kids I had. Right. That was your biggest stipulation. That was my biggest one. That's the one I kept going back to. So I'm like, well, you know, I asked for a sign (laughs) if I should have more children or not. I was like, okay, God, should I have more kids? Should I not? It's something I really did pray about a lot. Right. And And we prayed about your health a lot. Yes. And I feel like this was not, it's not the news I wanted. It's not good news, but I feel like it's an answered prayer in the same breath. It definitely is. Because doctors could have dismissed me and ignored it. Mm-hmm. It could have gone on for a lot longer. It could have progressed a lot worse. What if I would have decided to have a third kid? Right. I can't imagine what that would have done to your body. Like, they they told me how serious it was to have a child with this condition. And, yeah, no. So, I feel like this is an answered prayer in so many ways. I just feel sad that you have to go do a pregnancy test every whatever. I do feel sad a little bit about that. Like, it just kind of, like... Mm, just the hit just like rubs it in a little bit more yeah uh every month every month until I go through menopause um that's a long time um and you know I have endometriosis so originally my plan was to have you know all my girl things dealt with when I was done having kids I did ask them they're like "Mm, anesthesia can be tricky but if your levels are stable you know you can still do it but until then like you know, Jarrett and I have decided he can go ahead and have surgery. Okay. So he's going to do it this time. Yeah. It's his turn. It. I mean. He's up. To you be know, fair. He's up. We've listed a lot of things that you've been through. Yeah. So, so it, it's his turn. It's his turn. He'll be fine. He's super supportive. I was going to say, he's, he's he's fine with it. He's he's fine with it. Like, yeah. even when I was on the fence about the third baby, he's like, it's up to you. I don't really have to do anything. I mean. He's like, I just, like, live and then, like, a baby shows up. <laughs> He's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. So I think, you know, it's a lot to process, but it answers a lot of questions for me. Do I want more kids? Sure, but no. And, you know, health was like one of my words for the year. That's right. So I just feel like this is really figuring it out. Because once, I mean, once you have an answer to what it is, you can treat it. That's true. Being in the dark about it's the scary part. That's true. Like, so now you know. I have a name. I have a condition. Yes, it's rare. Yes, it's chronic. It will not go away. It will be the rest of my life. It will progress. But we can treat it. But it's treatable. And there's a lot of, like I said, exciting things happening with this condition right now. Like there's a clinical trial for a drug. And it has shown like insane things. And yeah. And so. you're not against holistic approaches oh, as no. well. Yeah. So you're open to anything. I'm open to any type of approach. I am. Right. There are some specialty clinics around the nation for this condition. There's 20 specialty clinics for pulmonary hypertension. Okay. And we just so happen to be right down the road from Vandy. Perfect. And they have one, of course. So, and I put in one of the support groups, like, hey, does anybody go to this specific clinic? What can I expect type of thing? And I got, like, so many responses. And, like, people who don't go to Vandy commented and were like, you are so blessed that that's where you got referred to. Like, yes. I hear they're the best. So, like, even the other clinics are like, Vandy's where it's at. Okay, I love that. So. I'm glad to know that. I know. That made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually met a girl. Her name is Emily. She goes there. She answered so many of my questions. So nice. 
I mean, it just felt a lot better than the initial Google search to have somebody be like, no, I live with this condition and I still like, she, I love her outlook on it. I think that's why I liked messaging with her so much. Like, I really feel like that was a God thing, like that she responded, we became Facebook friends. I felt comfortable like messaging with her. It was because like, she's like, oh, like your mindset's everything. Absolutely. She was like, Google can tell you whatever it wants to. That's not God's plan. Oh, I love her. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. She was like, I mean, you know, just that mentality that, like, nobody's promised another day. Mm-hmm. Even with this condition, if seven years was the limit, you could get struck by lightning tomorrow. I mean, that's true, too. So, like, don't worry about it. Yes, we love her. I do. I'm glad you found her. No, me too. And just, like, what to expect from the clinic, how often will I go, what will they be doing to me, that type of thing. And she actually said that her diagnosis was the best thing that happened to her. Wow. Like, it completely okay, changed Okay, that's a her. different outlook. No, it is. Yeah. But, like, her faith is very strong, and she was just like, no, it's the best thing for me. She was like, you know, I was in this place I wasn't thriving, and this pushed me out of my comfort, but, like, she just has such a positive spin on it, and yeah. I think talking to her was really insightful and helpful, and she, you know, has a job and works and, you know, just, like, lives her life. That's what we need. Yeah, is her positivity. And, like, all these people in the comments, you know, there's always going to be the people who are, like, poor, pitiful me. Negative. And that's not what I want out of this. That's that's not really me. No, it's not. Like, everybody can throw a pity party, but in my life, that's not me. No. You're ready to face this head forward. Yeah. With the positivity. So I've got follow-ups with the cardiologist, pulmonologist, and then the pulmonologist gets me into the Vandy Specialty Clinic. Okay, good. And I will do whatever they say. Yes, Pretty much. Yes, we will. And that is that. Okay, so we are now currently up to date on Victoria. Yeah. But make sure y'all keep listening because we're going to keep you filled in on everything. Yes, we will be doing little updates on this yes. here and there. Yes. Also, if you have pulmonary hypertension or know somebody who does or did, please message, message us. us. Let me know. Yes, we want to compare notes. Yeah, and I feel like it's so rare. I just will talk to anybody about it. Yes, we want to hear. And don't forget to follow us and subscribe. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.